evidence and answers. Ever watch the old TV show, My Favorite Martian, and ask yourself the question, is there really life on Mars? In the scientific community, water was recently discovered on Mars. But does this really mean that there is life on Mars? Or is it something else? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Continuing today on Evidence and Answers, Pat will be speaking with noted scientist Jeff Zwernick about this recent discovery. Here with the conclusion of this interview is our host, Pat Zucran. Whereas if we were able to find life somewhere out in the cosmos, whether it be on Mars or whether it be some distant planetary system, that gives us two data points, and now we can begin to discriminate. Is Does the evidence point to a supernatural origin, or is it more consistent with just a naturalistic origin? And that's kind of why I think as Christians, we need to be, or I would encourage Christians to think very carefully about this, because often the way that discussion happens is, the only place we're ever going to find life is here on Earth. Well, if God chose to create life somewhere else, that's his prerogative, but we don't want to rule out the possi- or rule out that possibility so that if it happens, we kind of by default say the naturalists have won. Because even if we find life out there, I, or I still contend that that life is going to point to a divine creator just like life here does on Earth. Yeah, well, how is the search for extraterrestrial life going? I remember once, you know, we had numerous programs like SETI and others searching for extraterrestrial life. But from what I understand and what I've been reading, the funding and all that has really gone down and, and you know, the search for extraterrestrial life is not as vibrant as it once was. Is that the case? I think, yeah, there was a period in the 80s and 90s where it was really big and really popular and there was a lot of telescope time devoted to it. In that sense, you know, just kind of general support for it across the scientific community and funding agencies, that has diminished quite dramatically. Now, there are some people who are philanthropists who've given quite generously to build instruments that are dedicated towards looking for extraterrestrial intelligence. Now, what's a non-controversial statement is that there's no evidence that we have found in our 30, 40 years of searching for any sort of terrestrial intelligence or extraterrestrial intelligence. You know, and, and I actually even have the distinction of having a paper where I'm one of the co-authors where we are you know, using the telescope I was working on looking for gamma rays. We used it to look for optical signals of extraterrestrial intelligence, and we put some sort of limit on how many, you know, how, which, whether there could be any civilizations in this, this particular realm. So there's no evidence for it out there. But there's still a core group of people who are committed to doing that and who have have developed a pretty substantial set of resources to do that. And the neat thing about what they're doing is they're able to expand their search beyond just our local region of the galaxy so that they can survey a pretty substantial portion of the galaxy or a more significant fraction of the galaxy. And once we, as we do that, we're going to be able to put far more stringent constraints on whether there's life out there or not. Either we're going to find it, which I'm rel- I'm pretty skeptical of that, or we're going to be able to put much stronger constraints on it and kind of rule that out as a possibility. And so why are you skeptical of that? I just, when you're talking about intelligent life out there, you know, and this is where not just looking for planets and then trying to find signatures of bacterial life, 
that's a different question. Now I'm, I'm dealing specifically with the question of, is there intelligent life out there that could build civilizations and beam radio signals across the galaxy like we do? There are a whole slew of theological issues that you enter into there, or, and scientific issues as well. One, scientifically, is just there's a lot of things from a naturalistic perspective that have to be put in place in order to get life like humanity. And I would argue that God has provided for all that here. So you know, scientifically, I just find great hurdles for advanced life coming about by itself. And so I think it's a, a the, or it's a question that points to a theological explanation as well. But when I look at things theologically, what is it when you start having intelligent civilizations or conscious civilizations and you start dealing with, well, if there's conscious civilizations, are they fallen or not? Could there be sentient conscious civilizations that haven't fallen? That's a difficult question to answer. If they're fallen, are they redeemed, and how are they redeemed? You know, there are passages in the Bible where Christ died once for all, you know, and the Incarnation is a pretty integral part of the atonement there. And so if Christ died once for all, does he have to go out and die on other planets as well? You know, so these are the kinds of theological questions that I think are difficult. And so the way I would say it is my expectation is from a scientific perspective and even from a theological perspective, is I don't think there's life out there, and I don't think there's intelligent life out there. But I'm open to the possibility that God might have done that, and if we find that possibility, then that's going to give us a much greater understanding of how he's revealed himself through our scriptures to us. And I find that pretty fascinating and exciting. Now, Jeff, what ways are scientists looking for life on other planets or extraterrestrial life somewhere in the universe. You mentioned some. I understand there's huge radar dishes that are looking for microwave signals and others. What are the ways they're looking for intelligent life out there in the universe? Well, if you're dealing with intelligent life, you're looking for some sort of signal beamed from another star or emitted from another star that isn't explained by just natural, ordinary, mechanical processes. You know, so the, there you got a planet that goes around a star, that's going to have a, a periodic signal. You know, the star is going to have sunspots. And so there are variations that will come about just because of how stars and planets work. So you're looking for something that has an intelligent signal behind it, or a, a signal that points to intelligence. So if you were to go out, you know, 100 light years away and point your radio dishes towards Earth, you would see this stream of radio signals that have coded messages in them, and they would just point to intelligence. So that's largely where, if you're looking for intelligent life, that's the way you go about it. So you might use radio signals, because those propagate across space pretty well. You might look for optical signals. That's the particular study I was involved with. But you're looking for some sort of signal from a civilization that is capable of producing a signature beyond its own planet. And that has been, to this point, you know, interesting work, but there's been no signs of any sort of life that, or, or of intelligent life in that vein. Now, on a little tangent here, are there plans then to colonize Mars? There are people who talk a lot about that. In fact, there's a movie coming out, uh, you know, early October there that has, you know, Matt Damon is one of the main characters who ends up getting stuck on Mars as they're out exploring how to colonize it. And so that's, that's a very popular idea. The reality of it is, it is 
difficult, it would be incredibly difficult for us to go out and colonize Mars, given what we know. We actually have a very difficult time building a self-sustained colony here on Earth that doesn't take advantage of all the environment that we have around. So if you try and isolate a community inside some sort of container and build a self-sustaining colony, we have great struggles doing that even here on Earth, and Earth is pretty friendly to life. So the challenge of doing that out on Mars is even more difficult. But, you know, again, going back to our original discovery, that's part of what's fascinating about finding, finding liquid water is that if we ever were to try and colonize Mars, it says that there are resources we could use in mine that might make that easier. So, like I said, there's a lot of talk about going out to colonize Mars, but as it stands right now, we are decades away from being able to do something like that just because we don't have the technology that allows us to do it with any sort of semblance of success. And failure on a mission like that means a lot of people die. And so we, we want to be pretty confident that we're going to succeed before we embark on that, that sort of endeavor. Yeah, and I'm wondering, why would we want to colonize Mars? I, there's part of it, just because we can. I mean, you know, why do we want to go to the moon? Why do we want to climb Mount Everest? Why, don't, why do we want to cross, uh, get to the South Pole and cross Antarctica? Some of it is just because we can. I think that's part of how... God has made us is that we're there's at least a certain part of humanity that is driven to go out and conquer the next thing out there. And so that that's part of it. Yeah, you know, there's a whole lot of other reasons that people might give. Some think, oh, we may be destroying the earth. I think those are a little bit difficult to stomach at least at this point. But just from a Christian perspective, I think it is a good thing to explore that because what it does is that it it continues to illuminate just how remarkably Earth supports life and how hostile everywhere else that we've been able to explore, how hostile that environment is to life. Well, Jeff, you know, if we did find extraterrestrial life out there, what theological impact would they have for those of us, you know, who believe in the Bible and in Jesus Christ? It would entirely depend on what sort of life we found. If we were to go out and found microbial life out there, that could mean one of two things, as I see it, or you know, it fall into two broad categories. One is that where we thought life was very difficult to get started, it turns out that it might just be easier and we haven't understood it. That may be the case, and I, I mean, if that's the case, then we may lose an apologetic argument for God's existence, but I don't see any problem with there being bacterial life out there any more than I see a problem with there being planets out around other stars. If that's just the way the universe operates, so be it. Once we get up to animals that have the capacity to relate and animals with intelligence and advanced self-aware conscious organisms, then that could raise some substantial theological problems. And this is where I think Christians, again, I would encourage Christians to get involved in these discussions. These are the types of things that people like to have discussions about. So they're just ripe for evangelistic reaching out to people, because these are conversations they want to have. And by having a well-thought-out, robust theology of creation and the incarnation and the atonement and what all that means, we're able to enter into those discussions and bring the gospel into those discussions. So I think if we were to find sentient life out there, I don't know that that violates, I don't think that, I don't know that that would be difficult to reconcile with Scripture, but it would certainly force us to make sure that we understood our theology better than we do. Yeah, you know, that leads me to my follow-up question here. You know, is there any evidence, or does the Bible say anything 
about life on other planets, or does it state that the Earth is the center of God's attention and there's no other planet that God made to have any kind of you know, intelligent life form on them? As I've read through Scripture, I find Scripture to be largely silent on that. The few bits of things that I get a little bit of indication about is humans are not the only sentient beings that God has created. God also created the angelic realm. Now, granted, they don't have physical bodies, but nonetheless, he's created other life forms that have the capacity to worship. So the idea that God might have created other life out there isn't really that surprising to me. I do find, from a scientific perspective, one thing I find interesting is that wherever we've looked for life here on Earth, everywhere where life is possible, and even in a lot of places we didn't think it was possible, we find life. And so that may be an argument that God is inclined to fill his creation with life wherever he can. And so if that's the case, then it wouldn't be surprising that we might find more life out there. But again, just as I look through Scripture, I don't find a lot said one way or the other. It's very clear, or very, the message through Scripture is very clear of how God has interacted and revealed himself to us. But it doesn't say that much about what God has done elsewhere out in the universe, except that as we go look at the heavens, they declare God's glory. So, Jeff, you know, if we did find extraterrestrial life on another planet, what you're saying is it really shouldn't shatter the faith of Christians. I don't think so, no. The only find that I think would be very difficult to reconcile is if we found humans out on some other planet. Maybe it's possible, but I don't see how to square that with Scripture, where Christ took on a human nature and came and lived amongst us, you know, the Incarnation, and then he died on the cross once for all. So if he died for all humanity, and he came and lived among us, and there are other humans out there, then I, I don't know how that would reconcile. But if God's created other life forms out there, maybe bacterial life, maybe even, you know, dolphin dog type things, you know, things that are intelligent and relate, that have the capacity to relate, and maybe if he's even created other spiritual kinds of beings that are different than us, that I think... I don't know that I would expect it, but I could see how that would square with everything God's revealed through Scripture to us. I just think it would be a very fascinating discovery, and it would challenge and force Christians to really understand how has God revealed himself to us and make sure that our theology is good. And I think that's a great thing for Christians, because the more clear we are on that, the better we're able to go out and share the gospel. Now, I hope this is not too bizarre of a question, but I know you've written on some of these subjects, but there are those who say, well, aren't there multiple universes out there, and could there be parallel universes that are parallel to ours with intelligent life form that somehow are able to cross over into our universe, or somehow we get a glimpse of what's in there through some kind of phenomenon or something. Do you ever hear anything like that? I see a lot of it in the movies, but is that seriously discussed in, in science? Well, the idea of there being life out in other universes, that's pretty talked about a fair bit in the scientific literature. But again, there's this very important assumption that is made in saying that there's life out there. It's that life is purely physical. And if life is purely physical and there's just this vast multiverse, then eventually you've got to rearrange all the atoms and such, and you get an identical configuration to what we have in our universe. And so, yeah, there would be life out there, if life is purely physical. 
Now, as I read scripture, at least when we're talking about humanity and a lot of the animals that we interact with and have relationship with, those are not just physical beings, especially humanity is not just physical. We're a union of physical and spiritual. And so no amount of rearranging the atoms is ever going to make another Jeff's Waring or another Pat Zuckerin out there anywhere. So there is this assumption that life is purely physical. But in the scientific literature, I don't ever hear any discussion of being able to communicate between these multiverses if they even exist. Generally, all of the discussion and all of the, the evidence and the scientific constraints point to these things are, while they may exist, there's that, I, I think that's a very real possibility, there's never any chance of, there's never possibility for any communication between them. There's other life out there in those other multiverses, big ifs, then we'll never be able to directly interact with it in any sort of way. I see. You're saying if they even exist. So there's still a big question if there's other universes that are out there. Right. And again, I think it's a reasonable idea. I think that may even be the right idea. We may find out at some point in time that, yeah, there are other universes out there. But the idea of being able to communicate them between them is a non-starter. That just isn't going to happen. But even this is, again, where I've had, as I've asked this question of scripture. What does scripture demand? As, as I look at how scripture describes our universe, it talks about there being a beginning to the universe and design in our universe and how God has a purpose and a plan for our universe. It doesn't really say a whole lot about whether God might have created other universes. And so even if the multiverse exists, what I've found as I've studied, looked into the research behind that, even if the multiverse exists, it still provides a compelling case that the God of the Bible is exists and that, that he's revealed himself through the scriptures. And so even the multiverse research supports the idea that God exists. Well, Jeff, at the end of the day, then, what would you say is the most exciting part of this discovery, and what should we as Christians take away from this? I think the most exciting part is that we have this neat resource in Mars to be able to ask and find data about the question of, is there life out there? Because Mars is so close, we can go out and do far more detailed studies of Mars than we can of all these planets we found orbiting other stars. And so that's going to give us great insight into what does it take to have a truly habitable planet. And my prediction is, is that even before we were able to go out and explore Mars in great detail, the evidence points to there's a lot of things that have to happen in just the right way but the best explanation is that there's a mind behind it. So the fact that we're able to find environments on Mars that have liquid water that are increasingly or closer to environments here on Earth, if we can now go out and explore those and ask the question, is there life actually there? That would help us better answer the question, is there life out in the universe? And that's a question that people are talking about. And as Christians, we can have a strong voice in those conversations and be able to bring the gospel into those conversations. And I think that's a wonderful and powerful thing. Yeah, Jeff, how would we be able, I mean, there's many ways, but how would we be able to bring the gospel into that kind of conversation? Okay, so, so that's a great question. So we have a, people are talking about the, the, hey, did you see that they found water on Mars? One, by being able to find out a little bit about what was discovered, that will help you be able to just have the scientific credibility to be able to bring information into the conversation that maybe other people aren't going to have. 
but now as you get to talking about that, okay, so so people are talking about, oh, yeah, we found water on Mars, and that brings us one step closer to life. Well, now you can come and talk. So, well, that's kind of an interesting that you say that, because what this seems to indicate is that even though there's water there, the environment on Mars, in the, or the environment that leads to this water is pretty pretty hostile to life. Is this really a sign that there's life out there, or is this a sign that Earth has been designed to support life? You know, Why is it that Mars, even though it's kind of like Earth, is so hostile to life, where Earth is just has life so abundantly? Those are questions that kind of naturally lead to the idea, well, there's a, there's a designer behind it, that, that God has created the Earth, that God has fashioned the Earth to be habitable. And so I think there's just lots of different ways it could play out, because these things point to Earth being well-designed to support life, and that points to a designer. Christians are diligent in their study and equipped. Uh, they can engage in these arenas and present a good case for God and intelligent design and creation. That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. And very often what I find, even in myself, and I, I've been able to study this quite a bit, is I, I still have this tendency to where to think that I have to have all the answers before I can engage the conversation. And what I find, even in people who have interacted with me, is that if I can be a part of the conversation, know what I know and what I don't know, and be able to ask good questions so that people are thinking and having a good conversation, that's where a lot of persuasion actually happens. If I have to have all the answers, I tend to be argumentative and I may have a good argument, but I'm not very persuasive often. Whereas if I'm asking questions and exploring, why do you think this is good evidence for life being everywhere? Why Do you think it's, maybe it's possible that God created life here on Earth? Now people are thinking about the quest, these questions, and that's where I think a lot of the persuasion comes. Even with myself, when somebody comes at me and attacks my position, my default response is to argue back. When somebody gets me to think about why I have a position, if I'm going to change my mind, most of the work is already done at that point. Well, yeah, that's a great point in how to engage the lost world for Christ. Well, Jeff, you got a great resource there that Christians can gain insight and get equipped to engage in these arenas. Tell us about the ministry of RTB and the resources on your website. Yeah, Reasons to Believe is an organization that looks to use the latest scientific evidence to engage a culture with the gospel, and that takes many different forms. There's the high-level science, where we write fairly technical articles talking about the latest scientific data and how it really does point to a creator. We have courses that we offer online you can take through Reasons Institute, which will equip and train you to do this. There are numbers of books ranging from talking about who was Adam and what is, so what's special about humanity and does that evidence support uh, what the Bible has to say. We have things about the origin of life, the origin of the universe. We've got, you know, so books and booklets that deal with that, the multiverse. We also have a section on our website called RTB 101, which is just a brief introduction to lots of different topics to help you get a good feel of what RTB's position is and why, and then also resources that you can dig in deeper so that now when those topics come up, you have information to bring into that conversation. And then there's just a regular stream of other things that will show up on our page. There are podcasts that uh, you can get for a, a small subscription. There are classes that we offer, books that we offer, videos for download, just a ton of resources to equip you, equip the, the listener with 
good, credible scientific evidence that they can use to go out and share the gospel. Yes, that's Reasons to Believe. That's a wonderful website for Christians who are serious about their faith and science. Uh, You've been listening to our interview with Dr. Jeff Zwierink of Reasons to Believe. Jeff is an astrophysicist who earned his Ph.D. from Iowa State University, and he's written great books and great articles on science and the scriptures, uh, resources that you're going to want to look at, not only with Jeff, but the entire staff there at Reasons to Believe. So, Jeff, thanks for being with us here on Evidence and Answers and shedding light on this wonderful discovery. Thanks, Pat. Enjoyed being here today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you found this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You will find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ, right here on Evidence and Answers. <laughs>